It's a good show. He's a Melchizedek priesthood holder. She's a time wizard. You're listening to Mormon and the Meth Head. If you put a Mormon and a meth head together, this is what they sound like. Aaron Woodall and just a radar fence. Listen to them talking to Mike. Hello, the Time Wizard welcomes you back to the podcast. We want to say thank you to all of you that came out to Glendale, Arizona last night. You guys were amazing. We love you. Uh, We've gotten lots of requests for another edition of Sunday School, which is where Aaron gets very high and tells Book of Mormon stories. So we have recorded some of those. He did indeed get very high. We put the Sunday School episodes on the Patreon. For those of you that don't know what Patreon is, it's a separate website from the regular podcast where you give us $5 a month and you get all of the extra content. So you would get everything we've ever put on there, plus an extra two episodes a month. Uh, Once we get up to 200 patrons, which will be very soon, you will get three extra episodes a month. But that's also where we keep the Sunday School. But for those of you that don't know what Sunday School is, we're going to go ahead and do a clip for you right here. If you're interested in signing up for Patreon, just go to Patreon patreon.com backslash mormon in the meth head in the meantime here's what happens when you mix marijuana with mormonism <sighs> a malachiah though he goes to the lamanites right and lamanites you'll remember are the are the bad guys they uh and also the brown guys you guys remember these guys right okay good so the lamanites just got done fighting wars with the nephites and i'm pretty sure they got their asses kicked uh, because that's what they do. Seriously, seriously, in these chapters, there were things that like, um, so there's sto- There's so many different war chapters in the Book of Mormon, enough that you could maybe make nine different movies out of them. <laughs> Perhaps. And there are chapters about like the actual battles that I loved, uh, I loved as a teenager, man. Oh, you're reading about war as your scripture study. But also there were valuable lessons in there. Like the Lamanites would come to fight the Nephites and the Nephites were all wearing uh, armor and uh, the Lamanites weren't. And it was like, oh, like they like they go into detail about the kinds of armor. And like I, I once read it, I'm like, why are these details in there? And then I read it uh, uh, another time and it was like, it just clicked and I was like, oh my God, this story is you think it's just a war chapter, you know, but this here is telling me about how I need to spiritually shod myself and like be prepared to fight Satan. Like Satan will flee from me like the Neph- or like the Lamanites flee before the Nephites if I am properly armored with the armor of God. Oh man, I love the Book of Mormon. This is great. And now I'm th- reading that story and like, why, why the fuck don't they have armor? The Lamanites <laughs> are so dumb. That's why you keep losing. Put on armor. They're like, they're, they're so savage. Oh, we're so scared to go to war. Why? They, they're naked. <laughs> they're naked. They came to war naked. And oh, I know it's very intimidating. It was like another one where the 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 the, the Nephites have their cities uh, properly fortressed. 
and I think that's like Captain Moroni is doing. Like Captain Moroni is like, oh, the Lamanites are coming. Let's build a wall. Oh my God, they are MAGA hats. That's all. Moroni built a fucking wall. Was his? That's what he's famous for. There, he said that there is a dangerous migrant caravan of Lamanites <laughs> on the way. Let's cut down some trees. And Build put the them wall. in the ground. I'll go pick up the Big Macs. Oh my God. Yeah, I bet he did like him. He's so buff. He's so swole. There you go. In case you had any doubt, that's definitely better than regular Sunday school. That will be up on Patreon. The full episode will be up on Patreon later this week. And once again, you can find that at patreon.com backslash Mormon and the Meth Head. Meanwhile, the episode you're listening to now is all about Bandersnatch. Bandersnatch. Have you guys done it? I'm sure by the time this episode comes out, everyone and their mom will have already be done talking about it. Although, fucking bird box memes can't die. I can't believe they're still happening. God. But So maybe maybe we, Bandersnatch wave will, will continue. Jess and I, both big fans of the Bandersnatch, had fun watching it over Christmas break. We're playing it. I don't know. Some people call it a some people call it a game and some people call it a movie. <laughs> it's it's a hybrid. It's crazy. Jessa, how did you, uh did you have trouble making choices? No, I'd never do. Absolutely not. Uh, well, so my thing is I ha- I do in real life. Yeah, but I, you didn't for this. In, well, there's no stakes. You can just go back no and do stakes. different That's ones why it's later. So great. Like I, I get, they only give you a few seconds to decide, and I didn't even need all of them. I'm, I did have issues with the remote. Did you have issues with it not letting you switch to the other thing? I used like a PlayStation controller, okay. so it was it was pretty easy to do it. But uh, I uh, know so many people. Our friend Gabe, for example, who was like, I couldn't get past cereal. Like they yeah, asked like, me what, what do you want they for asked me what cereal to pick and I and I, like it stressed me out so much I couldn't do it and and I was like you guys are pathetic. <laughs> there's not there's, you have nothing to lose. You have nothing it's, to lose. It's just going to be a different version, which is an interesting. But it's not to say that it didn't that it didn't feel real because I was super invest like I would say me and I talking for the character I felt like it was my like me and my choice you know where I was like uh, why would I break my computer because that was one of the options you can tell him to break the computer and I'm like right. why would I break the computer that's so dumb I need this for my job and so obviously I'm going to pick the other one you know so like i would make these but like in real life i am so indecisive as you talk about all the time uh and takes me forever to pick something although i think i might go buy those shoes tomorrow the oh nice thinking i've been thinking on them you know but uh in the game it was just like freeing to just pick things so fast it was so it was such a nice change for me i um I played it with other people. I played it with Nicole and Tyler. That's the best way to do it. You think so? I, I played it with someone else. And then when Jeremy did it, uh, my brother, I did it with him over the f- like text. You know, I think it's really fun, too, when you uh, play it with someone who did it before you. Yeah. So that you, they could be like they could see what you do differently and like talk about like, Oh man, I didn't pick that. And like, you know, when, when Jeremy unlocked something that I didn't know about and I thought I had done everything, I was like, what, how did you get to that? And then, you know, it was cool. Yeah. Um, 
I guess I we still ended up making almost all the decisions that I wanted to make. So, uh, did you guys disagree? There were a couple times where they were like, "We have to do this, right?" And I was like, "No, we have to do this." <laughs> but same thing. It was just like I'll just go watch this later and make all the different decisions. But then it kind of feeds them to you back the other way. Yeah. So, an awesome thought experiment. Such a fun way to spend a couple hours because is. It illustrates so many questions about free will and choice and life and stuff. I feel like that's the central question, right? Is if we if a bandersnatch is if right. we if we have free will or not. And even like you as the player, because he like battles against you because he feels like you controlling him, you know, because you're right. making the choices. And so it seems like we're the ones with free will. But then as you see how the game loops and stuff, you realize we don't even have free will in this game. We only have as much free will as the designers of the game have allowed us to have. That's what I felt like I was making decisions that they wanted me to make. So every time we made a decision, it's like, I feel like that's the one they wanted us exactly. to make. Exactly. And that's and uh, doesn't he say stuff like that? Yeah. When he talks about he, how he's designing his game, the, the secret that he uh, says is you have to give you don't have to give the player choice. You just have to give them the illusion of choice. And the game that we are playing does feel like it's billed as a choose-your-own-adventure, but it feels like an illusion of choice. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that... I think of the illusion of freedom in uh, America. I remember thinking that at like uh, in my early 20s, where if you just talk about how you're free talk about how you have freedom all the time you don't really but uh i mean you're not in prison but i, I wouldn't call us free why not there are many 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 laws there's uh uh taxes and it's theft yo and we are basically controlled by a bunch of fucking wealthy powerful people yeah i so I get you. No, no, this is the stuff I'm not. Uh, yeah. This is the stuff I love to talk about. Yeah, we're not. We're not in. Uh, I, it's just a more subtle form of control. So we we have the internet for now, but like uh, we are still very controlled, and it's just more subtle. But a huge part of that is the, the yeah, like propaganda talk, talk about of our advertising. Freedom. When you when you make a choice and you say I want to go buy something or I want to go do something. You can't separate that from the the messages that have been planted into your subconscious for days on end of advertising trips to Disneyland, you know, and saying, and then you're like, I want to take a trip to Disneyland. You want to because somebody put that idea in your head. Right. You know, and like we are we see so many ads everywhere and they affect how we, our brains think about Burger King. Like we want Burger King because they had a well shot ad with this juicy burger with the right color combination and the right lighting to make us hungry and to make us associate Burger King with that like good looking thing. And you're like, oh, oh, I want that when you, you know, like uh, and then the burger you do get doesn't look like anything, anything in the like commercial, that, yeah. <laughs> but that you still get that good feeling because right. of how the commercial uh, planted that message into your brain. All of it. You're basically controlled to live a life a certain way and, you know, go to school, go to college, go to get, get a career, work nine to five, build a family, blah, blah, blah. And uh, not many people step off of that conveyor belt. Yeah, I believed that I chose to be baptized 
in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. When I was eight years old, I made the decision of my own free will to make a covenant with God. And I did, but that leaves out a really big, important piece of context, and that was that everyone in my life had already done it and told me to do it. Like right. every, uh, from the time I was born into like for the first eight years of my life, like I was told that, and then when you're eight, you can choose to be baptized and it's not, yeah, you know, like you, it's a, it's a, it was a personal choice I made. Like my parents wouldn't have uh, forced me to do it, but it was a choice I was conditioned to make exactly like, did you notice there was stuff i felt like there were little time things in bandersnatch that happened before you made a choice like little like things that i would think back then and i was like would they only put that in there so that th- so that i would choose yes instead of no right you know, they want me because they place this thing uh this message in earlier in the movie so that now at this point i would p- pick option a over b and I didn't like that. That's when I was like, oh, this is what they want me to do. Yeah, pick. exactly. Free will, I feel like, well, you can't decide everything that happens to you. Like, things just happen. Yeah. So where where does free will, you can choose to go down whatever path you want to go down. A free will in the context of religion is saying, like, if you want to do bad things, like, you have the free will. But even in the language of religion, it's like, God gave you a free will so you could choose to worship him or otherwise suffer the consequences. And it's like, thanks for the free will. This is great. (laughs) This is, uh, can't wait to use this. Now, but outside of religion, in your life philosophy, I've heard you say multiple times that you believe anything that happens to us is something that we signed up for at some point. Like, so does that in a way extends your free will in in that philosophy beyond like to, to even the things that seem outside of your control on this temporal plane. If you think, okay, well I, I agreed for this to happen to me, then it's like I'm experiencing something my higher self wished to experience. So therefore I still, my actual belief is even uh, the person who molested me on the other side uh, is someone who I agreed to have that experience with. So that Jeez. is a sticky uh, thing that I have never said on here before because that's very macrocosmic. So that doesn't mean that I didn't experience pain and trauma from that. But my ultimate uh, life philosophy, the life philosophy that really provides healing or a motivation to heal and a motivation to move on is that nothing has ever happened to me against my higher self's will, against the part of me that it's all just experience. None of it is is good or bad. There are no actual stakes. Uh, death is not real. Like none of, there is, it's all just experience that we attach uh uh, judgment on that we attach feelings to that we and that doesn't like obviously I've I've processed a lot of trauma on this podcast uh, because in from a microcosmic standpoint I am very much experiencing those things as pain and and bad things but from a macrocosmic view uh, it's all just a game and so Does that philosophy that mindset help you 
forgive and be at peace with all the yes. bad things that It happens. has a lot to do with why I get over things very fast. I, I believe... Uh, I can also see how that would not be something you share a lot because... Like, it's not... It's hard... It's, like, cool to have that mindset yourself, but, like, hard advice to give to someone else who's, like... No, because people want things to be wrong. People want things... There's nothing... Nothing. No loss. Nothing in my life that I still think, I wish that didn't happen. There's nothing. Once I've processed it, there's not one thing in my life that I would take back. Because it's all just experience that led me to this point. I wouldn't trade any of it. I wouldn't go back and rewrite any of it. There are things that suck. There are people who died that I wish I had uh, been better to. There are things I lost. There are relationships that are gone. Like uh, uh, That it would be, you know, that's like, yeah, bummer. I guess that's a place where I learned how to be better to the next person. But I wouldn't, none of it was wrong. None of it wasn't supposed to happen. And I know that. And the older I get and the more experience I have, the quicker of a... There was a point where I had to run all my life experience through that filter. And that was the near-death experience. That was the first thing that the fucking the alien said was, uh, none of this is real. None of this is right or wrong. Uh, all of the things that you are experiencing as bad or regretful or wrong or whatever, like that's just what you assign to it. But it all just is a game. And when you look at it just as a game, it's like, uh, well, there's no, there's no stakes. It's fine. So it feels like this is a loss. It feels like I lost something that I wanted, but if I really wanted it, it wouldn't have left. Like if, if my higher self wanted it, if it was part of my ultimate thing, it would still be here. Yeah. And so I just let things go. All right. So let's go to the higher self for a second. In answering the question, it, do we have free will or not, which is all that I've been about. If you guys remember, I was just like high for a couple of days <laughs> after New Year's and I was watching all this stuff, this mind bending stuff. And all I was talking about just on and on was like free will and, and stuff. And so I always wanted to believe that I had free will. Very big in Mormonism, free agency and stuff. Uh, we get to pick. I am becoming a little, I'm leaning a little bit more to the we don't have free will side. Or at least I'm, I'm finding compelling arguments for it that I hadn't considered before. And some of these shows I was watching was bringing these things to light. So my question then is if we, if we don't have free will, if, if our choices are programmed the question is programmed by what controlled by who decided by uh, whom, what, you know? And so the higher self, if this is a video game like Bandersnatch and there's someone up there clicking buttons for us and deciding things to, to, to do for us, is that person, our higher self, you think, is it uh, uh, God is it our just our genetic coding? Is our just when we are uh, our mix of our parents' DNA uh, created a, co- a specific code in us that has uh, already taken all of our future choices out of our hands? Uh, because I feel like if we, if 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 I'm not in control, I want to know who is, and I want to know if I can communicate with that entity, and I want to know if we can work together. You know? <laughs> yeah.
previously in the in the last video game that we're coming out of, it was the the Wheel of Karma where we needed to like graduate. We needed to be graduate souls, and so we had to go through and experience both sides of every coin. So you would, if you were a victim of something in one life, in the next life, you would be the perpetrator of that uh, crime. And if you were hurt by one thing, then you would you would experience both sides of the coin. That now happens Do you think Frank- in a week. That now oh. happens in a week where you have a life experience and the fucking next day uh, you have the opposite life experience. Like it can happen that fast now. Where you can see every side of the coin because we are now like flying through this process of learning everything we have to learn to like level up. I think your higher soul creates your reality. And I think the more that you integrate with that, the more consciously aware you get to be and the more it feels like you have your hands on the wheel. I think if you are run by ego, you are uh, probably just manifesting a bunch of shit you don't want because you're focused on things you don't like. And also disconnected from the part of yourself that has a, uh, a bigger idea. So right now, every day of your life, you spend thinking about the lessons that you're receiving. People who are living out an ego existence, they're not doing that. So the soul, uh, the higher self is ultimately trying to learn things. And I, when you are living a life where you're tuned into and looking for the message and looking for the lesson, you're getting these lessons quick as hell. They're not awful to learn like they used to be because they don't feel like they're just happening to you because you are a willful student in your own life. And... So when bad things happen, it's like, what, what is there to learn here? What, what can I do better next time? What is the, what you're looking for the messages and everything else where someone who's not doing that just feels like life is happening to them. Yeah. I like taking control. This is the central question of Westworld too, like or season one, I guess I didn't really like season two, but, uh, this idea of if we've got free will or not. As these as these robots became uh, more aware of themselves, it was like they could act outside of their programming, or were they, or were they just programmed to act outside of what they thought was their programming? You know, and I had a conversation, well, with several people. I loved Westworld. I talked about it a ton, but the first person that got me to really think more about like, okay, do I not have free will? Because I felt like, of course I do, because I can hear myself think i can make choices like of course i do you know she was saying that as a woman how like once every month she's going to cry uncontrollably over things she's not sad about (laughs) like just and it happens like clockwork she's like that feels like a program to me you know that feels like something that I am being forced to do rather than something that I want to do. And I was like, I thought about that a lot and I've brought it up in other conversations since because I like would, if I were a woman, which is something I always think about. I'm like, I wish, I wonder what it's like to experience life, uh, as a woman. But, uh, if I was, would I be less inclined to believe in free will? And there's a, I uh, don't have PMS, but that song that we listened to the other day, 
that song makes me cry it, no matter what. And I don't like that guy who sings it. Like, and I feel, and I feel embarrassed that I like the song. Uh, but no matter what, when I hear that song, tears come out of my eyes. And I was like, "Yep, okay, maybe, maybe there is no free will. Maybe I. <laughs> this is just a trigger reaction that's uh, that's out of my control." I believe I chose to come here as a woman, hmm. and that I chose to have a reproductive system. I chose to be able to uh, to have children and have a menstrual cycle and that uh it's part of it i believe that anything that happened to me uh because there's no value judgment on it so yeah i cry and i have cramps uh this is part of my life and i don't uh i wouldn't have everything be perfect if i had the option so the fact that i experience things that aren't perfect it's me playing the game i don't feel like it's uh it's it's imposed on me i believe ultimately i decided to experience everything i experienced would this be a good analogy if you chose to get on a roller coaster and ride that roller coaster that's a fixed track and it goes up and it goes down and it curves uh and you don't have control over that or the speed but you chose to get on that ride and you were like that you looked at it and you were like that's the ride i want i want the ride with menstrual cycles and and giving birth and stuff and i'll take all the things like like you sign up for that option and then you lose some choice after that point yeah so i do think there's programming so i think like the video games i don't know how video games are now but there used to be like that video game street fighter or whatever sure. and you have the different characters and you have this character who's very fast he punches but he can't uh kick or whatever i do think to a certain extent uh, before we step into this life, we have decided some parameters for the person, you know, like a rough outline of the person we're mm -hmm. going to be. And we pick a gender, uh, sorry, we pick a sex of the body and uh, each comes with its own set of functions. And yeah, I mean, there are uh, tons of things that happen in my body that don't feel like uh, I'm not consciously choosing to experience them. But they are part of the, the story for whatever reason. Um, I am definitely the author of, uh, and I believe it is, the, I believe free will is in the narrative that you choose to write. And that is, if you choose to experience life as something that is happening to you, that is all you will experience. That's all, because it, it, it'll just fill that, It'll look like whatever you expect it to look like. So if you expect life to look like it's happening to you and you believe that everything is out of your control, then that's how you will experience it. Also, you'll never learn how to steer the, the fucking boat. Uh, a lot of the things that are happening in our lives are there to teach us things. If you're not looking for the lessons, uh, they're just going to feel like cruel, awful th losses and, and pain and, and suffering when in reality it's... Uh, it's shaping you, it's teaching you, it's helping you become more powerful. And I think I don't feel now, like 20 years awake, I don't feel, nothing feels against my will. I feel so other people, I can't control what other people do. You don't get to control that. So, uh, but I do have an underlying belief that anyone that hurts me was, was for my own good for me to learn whatever it was even if the thing I needed to learn was to uh, get away from them 
so in Bandersnatch, the we are the ones making the decisions, right? And I watched that as like and thought so much about someone else being in control of my life, you know, like and like remember I had watched Never Ending Story right before it, right? And uh, the thought of like someone reading or watching my life the way I am doing it right now at Bandersnatch. I was like, oh, that's freaky, man. And uh, I want to be in control. And, you know, I felt like I am in control. I believe in free will because I have thoughts in my head. I think about choices and I make them. So, of course, I do. And then the next movie I watched was Revolver, which was about uh, your ego not being you. And that cracked open my skull. I was like, oh, so what if in Bandersnatch, when he's fighting against this thing that's controlling him, like what if that thing that's controlling him isn't God or his DNA uh, or another player or his higher self? It's his ego. What if it's just his ego? There were things that Jason Statham did in a revolver where like he had like he fought against his ego and he had to, to fight against it that reminded me of the times in bandersnatch when you like you told him to like uh bite his fingernails and he resists that urge and he's like no you know and then that and then as i went on my whole like uh ego prison revelation i was noticing that same thing in myself i would hear a thought get a compulsion to uh watch porn and jerk off and i was like where's that compulsion coming from is that me is that my ego and then i fought that urge and uh so i thought i'm like what what if because the, the biggest con in the history of the world they said was i am you you know so here i have been my whole life being like I obviously have free will because I have thoughts in my head. And then to think about how those thoughts aren't necessarily me. I was like, oh, whoa. They incepted, my own ego has incepted me. They like uh, put the thoughts in my head and let me, and this also something that uh, like, that there was a parallel between revolver and bandersnatch and bandersnatch as we said they were like give them the illusion of choice and in revolver uh jason satan talks about the best way to con someone is is like or best way to beat them in chess or whatever he's like uh you he's like the guy says how do you beat me and he's like well it's easy uh you do all the hard work i just get out of your way I just let you think that you every choice you're making is what you want to do. That's how you con people. And I'm like, my ego has fucking conned me into my whole life thinking that I was had free will when I wasn't. I, I was his slave. I did everything he wanted me to do, and I just foolishly believed that it was my own choosing. And now I'm questioning the voice all the time. Every time, like... And I'm getting better at identifying it and, and, and picking like the better choices, I think, but it is freaky to think about. That is blowing my mind right now. I think I never get to blow your mind. That's great. My, uh, damn it. My initial reaction would be, oh, it's your higher self that's making all the decisions. Right. Uh, because that's how I experience uh, like my free will is experienced through what I believe to be my higher self. But in 2008, before I had figured out 
before this three year long process of, of completely identifying the ego's voice, I wasn't making decisions. I was making decisions through the ego. The ego was making the decisions and those decisions were made out of fear and arrogance and, and jealousy. And you know, it was all these, uh, uh, things that prevented me from going after things that I wanted and uh, uh, things that kept me separate from other people, things that isolated me. You know, the ego has uh, shitty ideas all the way around. But I would have the entire time, same thing, felt like I was making my own decisions. And the process of taking the ego out of the driver's seat is very much stopping yourself from from like when you hear it talk just forcing yourself to not do what it wants you to do uh thinking about the other thing i liked was like there were certain choices where he which were dumb like they kept trying to get me to destroy the computer like i said and i was like why would i destroy my computer i am a I, I need that for work. That's my job. Why would I do that? Um, that's so dumb. But how many times does our ego whisper in our in our mind to do something that's against our best interest? We sabotage ourselves all the time because of our egos. Absolutely. Because our egos are scared or hurt or upset. They act out irrationally and do something stupid and you're like why the fuck did i you react in the moment you lose your temper and you do something uh dumb you know right and so that's that was another thing that made me feel like that because if i am in if i am playing a game in bandersnatch i would be not making bad decisions you know like i would be making this kid have the best life possible right right uh but like if you are a sick and twisted player, someone who makes sims and traps them in a in a room with paintings that make them go crazy, you know, right. that puts them in a swimming pool without a ladder to get out of it and watches them drown or something. Like if you've got a, a sick person at the controls that does is not your friend, then they can make you do awful things. And that's how I've been feeling about uh, my ego. It's like someone who does not like me like the all the mean things my ego says about me uh, and like always trying to put me down and stuff uh i was like why do i have this voice inside of me that hates me so much you know and so this is like i don't want him to be at the controls no i don't want to let him make decisions for me he doesn't like me he doesn't he wants me to destroy my computer that's stupid you know I'm just thinking about why the ego is so shitty and it, the ego is just programmed, right? So the ego is the artificial intelligence that comes with your body. You get one per body. It's not a part of you in the uh, afterlife or whatever. It's not who you really are. You are the person playing in the body. But since you have been experiencing life through the ego, uh, the ego was just running shit while you're unconscious. So you start to wake up, you start to realize that you are actually something other than the ego. And then you have to separate yourself from the ego. The, my ego has a, a male voice almost like it's so really, yeah, it's so Mine sounds exactly like me still. It's, it's voice is so separate from mine that I know exactly what it is. 
That's cool. Uh, Mine's starting to sound separate. Like yeah. Starting, it's it's very subtle differences. It's more like his tone. That it sounds like my voice, but it's 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 got a different tone to it. Yeah. But I look forward to getting at conquering it and having it sound so obviously different. And then it calmed down, and then it it had less to say, mm-hmm. and I feel like it was it was compassion on my part when I stopped trying to kill it, stopped trying to make it cease to exist and just accepted it as a part of myself. And, and just, I feel like I just gently took the wheel out of its hand, but there were like it, uh, the, the will of the ego is felt compulsory for a long time. And then, uh, I just slowly, shifted those decisions so I can get triggered in in anger and ego will like ego will take the take the reins I've seen uh I've been triggered more this year than than anything else I've also feel like there's either many aspects of the ego or many other aspects of us period but so the ego and how the ego relates to who you are comes from programming as a child. So the ego must just be a blank slate when you're born, and then you're programming it's the voice as a of child. Your parents or something, right? Yeah, and then so how awful the voice of your ego is to you, I think, would be directly connected to that programming. What hmm. the and not the programming that something horrible didn't necessarily have to happen. It was just your impression. Right, right, right. Of it. So my ego before I woke up was awful, awful and never shut up. And I was a compulsive liar and I was, uh, I, it, it was, I was awful. It was terrible before I woke up. I was many uh, things because, uh, my ego never shut the fuck up. I had to be the center of attention. Everyone had to know who I was. Uh, I had to control people's perception of me constantly, constantly. They could never think anything of me that I wasn't okay with them thinking of me. And so I, my brain was constantly scheming on how to maintain the levels of what everyone thought. That drives me nuts. All right. Um, string theory is another thing that I wanted to talk about that we, uh, I've spoken about on the podcast before and something that came to my mind while watching Bandersnatch. Okay. So that the idea as I remember it was that, uh, all, all these different universes are, are happening. Like there's a, there's a million different timelines for every single, uh, option choice in your life. Right. So just like in that, in the game Bandersnatch, there's branches right like you can go in this direction or that direction but it's not just that we pick one and just do that but there's a million of us and we experience every single branch of this game's tree because even when you play bandersnatch you uh you loop back and like you 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 can if you want to experience every single option that the game has to offer and then you have an aggregate total of the uh of the whole thing like you've experienced every single possibility so if in string theory 
like the, all these things are happening at once, you know, um, is it possible that like you can loop back like the, the, the collective us, the, all of us, like when you've gotten to the end of every single branch and you, and you know, the one that you want, like there's one that's like, okay, well, this is the true ending. This is the one that I, that I really want to get to. Can the collective us, uh, just like pick, uh, choices for us. Like you talked about how, uh, like you, you're driving and it, you feel like in another universe, you just got into an accident. Right. Like you had a close call. It didn't happen to you, but like you have this connection where you're like, Oh my God, I feel like one of me just got into a car accident. Like that's how close I was. Um, there's also times in our lives when we feel like something's about to happen. And then for whatever reason, things take a, a, a left turn and you're like, Oh, I was so close to that. I thought for sure this is what was going to happen. And now I'm pushed away much the way that the guy in Bandersnatch feels forced into decisions that we are making for him. And I'm wondering if like, what if those decisions are being made not by individual us but the collective greater us the collective uh aggregate total of all the the multiverse and like that uh we've tried every single uh option out and this is the one we want like if we have like run trial like when you when you run a simulation a hundred times to see uh like what the average is you know say all those string theory things are just like uh running different simulations, seeing how they all end, then looping back and picking the ending that we want. And so then that, uh, that person pushing the buttons for us is still us, but just like this cosmic force of the, the collective us. I was very high when yeah. I uh, watched this stuff. But very interesting. That kind of, uh, I've been experiencing that lately. As it's never a, a good idea when Jessa Reed gives you a blank stare after you commit. <laughs> if, you, if you go off on a theory of how the universe works and, and, and Jessa Reed <laughs> looks at you like, uh, like okay. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, I believe, uh, uh, Russian speaking aliens are preparing us to enter a fifth dimension in the video <laughs> game we are currently playing, but you, uh, are crazy. <laughs> no, that wasn't, there was, my mind was spinning with a lot of things. Cause that would mean like timing, like the, uh, rather than all of the scenarios happening at once, uh, it would be more of a linear thing or a, or a going back and forth in time. And I, I hadn't wrapped my mind around that yet, but I do think, uh, I think we step on and off of different timelines very quickly. And, uh, I think the idea you were maybe presenting was that we already experienced the thing that it seemed like was about to happen. And then we decided to go back and change it. Yeah. That's interesting. Right. You talk about switching timelines all the time. Yeah. Uh, you talk about like stepping off of moving sidewalks or like different tracks or something. Yeah. You're like, I was headed on one trajectory 
and then that path disappeared suddenly uh that no longer like what seemed like a certainty you know doesn't anymore like we we talk a lot about our careers and stuff stuff that like we see our future like this is going to happen this is going to work out for us and then other days where it feels really murky and confusing and like it's not for certain anymore yeah for like a year and a half i have felt the trajectory that i was on and uh multiple shifts have happened in the course of that time where I feel myself I'm not on that trajectory because I can't uh the photograph of that future is is blank and uh we have I've stepped off of it and found my way back to it but it's still it's a control that I don't fully understand yet so I guess I'll continue to step off of the the timeline I want to be on until I figure it out do you uh, do you believe in string theory or is it just like something that you were reading up on or something? Like, do you believe that there are other versions of you? Yeah, I believe all those timelines are happening. I think that this, this, uh, lucid consciousness gets to decide which one this lucid consciousness is experiencing. Okay. So I think that's, that's what I was trying to describe. Uh, hmm. I think at this stage, and this might speak to free will, uh, also, but at this stage I am, I have hopped off of the timeline on accident, I feel like, uh, and have had to find my way back to it. Um, there was a moment where for like the last couple weeks, I felt like somehow I ended up on the wrong timeline and everything felt very unsure and, uh, I couldn't figure out how to get back. So I was just doing what intuitively felt right. And also releasing any, um, attachment to that outcome. So I would like to be back on this timeline that I was on, but maybe that timeline isn't in my best interest now. And so I, I'm not going to be attached to it. But I'm going to try to make yeah. my way back. To like it. one of the very first choices in Bandersnatch uh, seems so obvious. And uh, which it's like, this is what he wants. And then someone offers it to him. And you're like, yeah, of course I'll take it. And then that takes you to the worst possible ending. Yeah. It's over so fast. And so I do think that's that's why I was wondering about string theory. Where you're like, there's something right here that like is obviously what I want is obviously best for me. And then it's you are seems like it's taken away from you you get close to it and like you don't get it anymore what if it was secretly in your best, best interest, interest not to Which, get it when yeah. i was when i was mormon i believed god was looking out for my best interest and he knew better than me uh so if i wanted something so bad and i and i prayed for it and i worked towards it and i almost got there and didn't uh i'd be sad but i would go deep down i know that god loves me and then he know, wants what's best for me and so then this just must not be my destiny. This isn't for whatever reason. There's a reason why I'm not supposed to do that. And like people talk about like, re, like, uh, like I didn't get on that plane. I was late for a plane and yeah. then that plane crashed and stuff like that, you know? Uh, but also like, 
uh, I was going to get this job and then I didn't get that job and uh, I was heartbroken. But what if that job would have ruined your life or something like that? Yeah. And I think that when the way I described free will when I believed in God was that he gave us agency and that in a sense we, we had, we had choices, we had agency of our own before God came around to it. Like we were intelligences. He formed us into like spirit children and gave us more power, but we were already our own separate thing, you know? So we had our own, uh, we're, we're ourselves and independent. And then he gave us more agency and a place to experience life, uh, in a physical body, much like someone signing up to play a video game to, to experience certain things. Right. And we got, we had our own choices, but God was omnipotent, uh, and all knowing and knows us so well and loves us so well that he knows exactly what we would choose and i would compare it to like like you know people that were are in love like uh like like you're just your friend you know someone that know what i know what pizza i can order your pizza jessa right because i know you well enough to know exactly what kind of pizza you like it's your choice i didn't make you that's the pizza you wanted but god just knows us so well that he knows who's going to end up in heaven he knows which choices we're going to make he knows when we're going to sin and all that's why so there is an element of predestination but it's still like up to us as uh, uh as individuals to get there ourselves you know and right. mormons believe in in free agency so so much it, like as part of our theology before this life like we're all here because in heaven we chose to be here there was a battle there were some people who chose satan's plan and got you know fucked royally and uh, they don't they don't get to be here we're here because we chose to be here now we can continue to make right choices and here like it wasn't so much that god gave us agency so that he could force us to worship him. But it was like God, in Mormonism, God became God because he learned everything and like did everything right and is so powerful. And like he is giving us an option to become as powerful as him, to know everything he does. And he's like, here's the steps. All you got to do is this, 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 all these commandments all the time, whatever. If you continue to do what I say, you will grow more powerful. You will learn stuff and you will get the most out of this earthly experience, you know? And so I saw, always saw it as like, it's my choice, but he knows what's best for me. So I will just do what he says because he knows the way to become him. Uh, now I see that as uh, very restrictive. Oh, well, I think but. that's exactly what we're here to do, though. I think that I, yes. we came here as the creation, so separate from what we were as the creator. And we had to learn lessons, not by following rules, because that's asinine, but by uh, living life after life after life after life and experience trauma after victory after trauma after good thing after bad thing until we had experienced it to the point where we realized that we are God. So we become gods on earth and then we become conscious creators on earth, which is like what's happening right now. And I think uh, 
earlier incarnations, it probably felt like very little free will and probably why people were more likely to believe in uh, a sovereign God dishing out heartache and stuff because it was your higher self deciding a lot of the scenarios you would be in. And uh, it probably did feel like life was happening to you. But I find the more that I integrate with the aspects of myself and the more I learn where those controls are, the more things that I have control over. And then now I can feel trajectories. I don't know if they were always there. I don't know if the timelines were always there. And I just hadn't that hadn't come into focus yet for me because I hadn't integrated and uh, dumped enough trauma and and process enough stuff to like get up to that level to where I'd imagine in five years I'm going to uh, feel a lot more powerful and a lot more in control because of how many things that have already come into focus how many controls I, I currently have uh, I know where they are so rules following rules and religion like I I I used to believe in this God that uh, believed in my best interest and like gave me this pathway. And now I think like, yeah, that's totally bogus. Like there's no substitute for like, how can you, how can you come here on? There was a, 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 a comic named Abby Harrison, the first uh, drag of a cigarette I ever took. She, it was after an open mic um, right after my divorce. She said, uh, do you really want to meet this is a this is a girl that also started stand up comedy at Humor U at BYU by the way. So she's ex-Mormon and uh so she said to me, "Do you really want to meet Jesus and tell him that you never tried a cigarette?" <laughs> and I was like, "Whoa. I don't. I don't want to say I ne- like to like I I uh I lived this one life that I had according to such strict rules and stuff." Ugh. Smallfoot. I took Ethan to see this animated movie about yetis uh, and didn't know anything about it and was just like, I'll, uh, it'll just be fun. We'll go see it, whatever. And it turned out to be a movie about my life. It was uh, a movie about someone growing up in a very oppressive rule-based religion and believing it with all their heart and then one day finding out that it wasn't true because they have all they have they live up at the top of this mountain and listen i apologize for uh spoilers for an animated uh kids movie that came out six months ago but uh i really recommend it especially to ex-mormons and if you can get your mormon parents to take uh your kid to go see it which is what uh i ended up doing (laughs) uh i recommend that too i don't think they got the message at all but whatever there's this they they live up on this mountain and they've got all these rules that they follow the and uh the first like most important one written on a stone is that there is no such thing as a small foot a human right right there's they're they're mythical creatures there's no such thing but then they also have all these other stones that tell them like what their jobs are and what they have to do every day and all the work that they have to do and how they have to stay here like all these things right and uh then one day this main character who loves following all the rules much like i did finds out that there is a small foot he sees a human and uh 
that like pulls at a thread that just unravels everything. And, uh, they like, he, he's excited. He's excited. Like, Hey man, it's small. found a small foot. And like the prophet of their group is like, no, you didn't. Yeah, I did. I did. No, you didn't. You're mistaken. You're mistaken. And so when he, like when that one experience blocks up, like he's like, okay, well then, uh, he just, all he wants to do is prove that the small foot exists. And what he ends up doing is proving that none of the stones are true. And like, he didn't mean to break his religion, but like, that's what he ends up doing. And that's exactly how I felt about, uh, leaving Mormonism. They even like the, the Yeti even say things like, uh, when you have a question, push it down deep inside. Like they, they, well, that's what, that's how the prophet answers people's, uh, is he called the prophet? He's called the stone keeper. The Stonekeeper, okay. played by Common, and he has the the best like Ethan's favorite song is the Stonekeeper song. He asked me to play it for him all the time, which is actually really cool. Uh, they kind of give the uh, the religion uh, side of it, and he's like he's kind he's not totally bad, you know. You can see how religion has good intentions, right? And it just gets uh it has bad consequences when you try to control people. But like, we're, he's like, I'm trying to control people for a good reason. The, the small foot was murdering us. When we lived down at the bottom of the mountain, the small foot tried to kill us. If the small foot ever finds us, he will kill us. So I have to keep everyone here on the top of the mountain. I have to keep them here to keep them safe. You know? Uh, and he sings a, uh, like a nice evil persuasive song, you know, to the hero. And Ethan loves it. The thing about it was, out of nowhere, I've, I take him to movies all the time, and I uh, have never done this before or since, but his mom was telling me that she does stuff like this with him, that she'll play a song for him before she plays it. She'll be like, okay, I want you to think about how you feel during it, and afterwards we're going to talk about how you feel. So just on a lark, not knowing anything about this movie, I was just like, hey, man, I want you to, to think about how you feel during the movie. And after the movie, I'm going to ask you what you learned. It's question number one and how you felt. And, uh, after like then during the movie, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so glad I've listened to that small voice that told me to play this game with him because this is going to be such a powerful lesson. Like I'm sitting here learning like so stuff that I wish that I had learned as a kid rather than being taught to follow every rule that the God or the the prophet gave to me. Uh, And I'm so excited that my son can get this lesson right now from this movie. So then we go out in the parking lot. We always play uh, after the movie. We always act out the movies and stuff and like play around for a while. But I'm trying to sneak in some, some, you know, questions and get him to talk. And I'm like, so buddy, uh, what did you learn from the movie? And he says, um, that yetis are real <laughs> and that we should kill them. <laughs> I was like, what? Yetis are real and we have to kill them. And I was like, no, dude, that is not the point of that movie. Um, they're like, uh, they, 
like the whole the point of this movie is they turn the idea of the monster on their head. Like we as humans have always been scared of the Bigfoot, but right? It turns out they're scared of us. They right. think we're monsters. That's and why they're shows, hiding for, from yeah, us. Yeah, and it shows the monstrosity of of humankind and like, but like we can all get along and find all this common ground and be one together. And my son watched that movie and was like, "Kill Yetis, got it." <laughs> And I tried to probe him more. I was like, but why? Why, though? Why would you kill them? He's like, because they're monsters. And I was like, are they, though? Uh, and he was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, but weren't they kind of scared of us? Weren't they scared of the small foot? And didn't the small foot, uh, uh, you know, attack them? And he was like, yeah, because they're monsters. <laughs> And he, the more, the more I tried to like get him to think critically about it, the more embedded in his stance he became. Like by the end of this, he was just like, where are the Yeti? Let's kill them. I have decided this is what I must kill the monsters. I was like, good God. Uh, So how did you feel? (laughs) Bloodthirsty. I yeah. feel the bloodlust. They're real, and we must kill them. <laughs> uh, anyway, guys, this was a fun episode. I uh, hope we uh, didn't bore you with uh, all my uh, marijuana-induced thoughts about Bandersnatch. <laughs> but they seemed very important to me at the time, okay? Uh, check our website for show dates and stuff. Send us an email if you want us to come to a town near you. And uh, is there anything else they're supposed to do? Patreon. Patreon. Uh, think good thoughts. and uh, Join the Facebook group. That as well. And I guess, I don't know, I guess we'll get to see you guys next week. On Mormon and the Method. If you put a Mormon and a Method Together, this is what they sound like. Aaron would all just so read our friends. Listen to them talking to Mike. It's a good show.